Dalton, 21 of 31, 201, two and a Kendricks pick. Pistol formation, third and goal from the two. Elliott behind Dalton, C.D. Lamb in motion to the left, now back to the right. Play action for Dalton, pass is caught, man wide open, touchdown Dallas. It is Dalton Schultz with the old gotcha play. There was nobody near him, and Dallas has taken a 30-28 to 28 lead. Well, you know, Dallas spent a lot of time in the, during the bye week coming up with red zone plays, no question about that. Yeah. And you heard it there, the final play from a game-winning drive for the Dallas Cowboys. And this is Chris Corso on the Vikings.com postgame report. A tough, tough loss for the Minnesota Vikings, riding a three-game winning streak, a 31-28 defeat to the Dallas Cowboys. Really tough to not get to 500 there and slip to 4-6 and six on the season. Uh, about as disappointing as it gets for your Minnesota Vikings. And with that, I bring in... Ben Lieber from the Vikings Entertainment Network, live from U.S. Bank Stadium. Ben, I think this might be the worst loss that I could remember in recent memory for the Vikings. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, it's it's bad. I mean, I would rather have at least a, a offensive performance like we had, and uh, and a couple key defensive plays, and 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 generally overall feel pretty decent about your performance than maybe what we saw in the Atlanta game. You know, at least at least this game was competitive. It was exciting. There was dramatics at the end, and obviously I would love to have come out of here with a W. But I think I'd rather have this sort of loss than, than know basically in the first quarter of the Atlanta game that it's over, you know, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, like what our offense doesn't have it. And we were still looking for an offense even at that point. So, um yeah, this one hurts, but probably not as bad as uh, as I can remember in the past. The Vikings go up 28-24 to on a huge touchdown pass from Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson, and then the defense allows the dreaded 61-yard drive on 11 plays to, for the Dallas Cowboys to go ahead with 223 remaining in the game. So, Ben, 180 yards on the ground given up in this game. Did the Vikings defense kind of kind of let down the team in this one? Well, it was it was really a a battle of attrition is what happened. Um, you know, McCarthy and his staff took the same approach that Mike Zimmer and his staff takes when they play their games. You know, pound the rock with your big physical back, uh, with your big offensive linemen, and eventually something's going to break. And how many times have we seen this season where you know, Dalvin will break something more in the second half in the third and fourth quarter because the defenses are worn down. Well, that's basically what happened to us. You know, we we did a pretty good job defensively in the first half. You know, there was a couple, um, you know, I think a couple rushes by by CeeDee Lamb. He had, a, he had a nice little run on one of those jet sweeps that kind of made the, the rushing yards a little skewed. But when it came to Ezekiel Elliott, they really bottled him up. It was just kind of a grinded out. I think he had like three and a half yards per carry in the first half. And then in the second half, as their passing game picked up a little bit, our corners are getting worn down with some of the quick game stuff. You got those guys thinking a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they start hitting some bigger chunk runs on the ground. And, and you know, to me, that's, that's really what it was. it was. It was a battle of two teams with very similar approaches to see which one was going to break. The Vikings come into this game as seven-point favorites. Andy Dalton is starting at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and he comes in and throws for three touchdowns, a ton of yards. 
How can you explain kind of what happened with the Dallas Cowboys offense in this game? It seemed like they just were, were ready to go from the, from the get-go. Well, they are coming off their bye, and I guess that's I guess sometimes in, in our situation we come off a bye and we're a little, we're a little sluggish, um, although that didn't happen this year. But um, you, it can go both ways. And, and this game, uh, they used that extra time to, to their advantage. We're fast and twitchy on our defensive front. And, and let's not forget that Andy Dalton played as a starter for a lot of years in the NFL. You know, he's not just some schlub number two quarterback that's going to give you a few quarters here and there. He's a very capable quarterback, and he's proven himself. So um, he executed their offense perfectly. Uh, the quick game killed us. We could not get any pressure. We could not uh, dial up any of the blitzes and, and pressure packages that we saw last week. So they put us out on some islands and forced our guys to cover and, um, and cover all the little short throws and come up and make tackles. The Vikings offense was completely stagnant in the first half, and they come out in the second half, and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson get going for Kirk Cousins. Then the final two drives of the game are kind of going back to what happened in the beginning of the game. Completely stagnant. Nothing happens on that final drive for the Vikings offense when you need something with just under two minutes left. So can you kind of break down what happened on the final drive for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense? Well, I tell you what, you know, uh, Pete Bursich, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll credit him with this take. And it's, it's, it's a very astute observation and he's 100% correct. You know, you look at our passing game up until that point and we were creating angles in the blocking scheme because of all the play action. And, and we were getting Kirk to get outside the pocket a little bit. And, and that helped out the protection, allowed the guys to get down on some of those deeper routes. Well, when you're in that situation in a, in a two-minute mode where you got to get the ball down the field, that's nothing but drop back. You know, the defense is not going to bite on play action. You're not going to call any boots. And so that was really the first time all game that we had really gone true drop back. And you see why that compromises our offensive line. Their, their defensive front was very fast and very physical. And, and they knew when they could pin their ears back, they could take advantage of us. And, and that's what happened. There just wasn't a lot of time. And, you know, even just Jefferson, I believe on that set, that second down play, he has to come up with that. You know, you can't just go out there and catch all, you know, the, the sexy deep balls in crunch time. You have to come up with some of those catches as well. And that, that could have been a chain mover to get them down the field, get another, a fresh set of four downs. And who knows what happens after that. Um, so you, you can't afford to make any mistakes in those situations, but from a, from a, philosophical approach and X's and O's approach, um, the drop back game, you know, just, just got us. And, um, and we weren't very good at that. My take this week was that Kirk Cousins, rather than looking for those singles and doubles, as he was talking about to try and avoid those interceptions, he's got to go for the triples and the home runs again and really get that confidence back. If this Vikings offense really wants to take that, that next final step. And it seemed like he was doing that in this game, 22 of 30, three touchdowns, 318 yards. I mean, he had an over 140 passer rating. So I I guess my simple question and, and the question that all the Vikings fans are asking is, did Kirk do enough in this game to win? <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I don't think so at all. Of course he did enough. Well, I mean, what, what do you, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, I've already heard it on, on social media and, and I've you know, seen it all already, Ben. <laughs> I, I, I know that. And it, and it just, it, it drives me crazy because there's just, there's, there's this pocket of people and this faction of fans that want to hate on him for everything. They want to put every loss on him. You know, could he have better ball security on that sack fumble? Absolutely. 
when, when do you ever credit the defense though in some of those situations you know we um we'll have a good defensive play we'll take the ball away and we say hey look at our guys our guys are making great plays well guess what that's what they're saying on their side as well they get paid too the guy made a great defensive play and uh and and so he fumbles the ball they get the ball back good field position okay now outside of that what did he do wrong he did nothing wrong. He actually extended a lot of plays with his legs. He ran for a first down in the red zone. Um, he, he performed all the play action stuff beautifully on time. Every one of his deep balls were, were perfect. The, the throw to Thielen on the one-handed grab was, was thrown exactly on time, right to the back pylon where only he could make a play. Um, if any fan wants to criticize a guy that throws for 140 uh, passer rating, um, then you then you need to find something else to bitch about because there, there's nothing in, in Kirk Cousins' game that I would say that he was responsible for this loss. I seriously think that might have been one of the best games of his Vikings career, and that's I, I mean he was doing just about everything in that second half, and a guy who was making it happen was obviously number 19, Adam Thielen. A one-handed grab last week. I think this week that one-handed grab was even better, and I saw this stat. 10 of his 11 touchdowns this season have come from the red zone. So breaking it down as a defender yourself, what makes number 19 so great in the red zone? Well, yeah, I think he's, I think that he's stronger and he's more sudden than people realize. And, and I think a lot of defensive backs, the veteran defensive backs understand that, but you know, some of these younger guys, these younger cornerbacks, they don't understand that. And, and, and also we give them a lot to look at, you know, again, it's, it's play action stuff. These corners are having to look, you know, put one eye in the, in the backfield and one eye on this super stud receiver. And he doesn't need much time. He can gain separation by using his hands. He's strong upper body wise. He's got great footwork. He can sell everything with his eyes. He's, he's a savvy player. And, and he uses all of that to his advantage, and then we see what he can do with his hands. I mean, he only needs to take one hand and put it on the ball, and he's going to catch it. I mean, the catch today was impressive for a lot of reasons, but you could see when he, when he made that, that play, he didn't even try to reach out with his left hand to pull it in. Like, he just knew he, just knew he could trust his, his one soft right hand to pull that in. And it's like, damn, man, that's, that's impressive. Like there was never a doubt in that split second decision to even try to get his left hand up there. He just knew he could make it with one, with one hand. I don't remember many one handed grabs for him in his first (laughs) amazing few years with the Vikings. And it seems like the past two games, he's just added that tool um, to his game, which has been, I mean, it's been awesome to see, but last positive before we start looking forward for the Vikings season, uh, the linebackers, I feel like I ask it to you every single week, but Eric Kendricks drops back in coverage and makes a play where my jaw dropped. I mean, that was one of the most amazing plays I've seen made by a, by a linebacker in coverage. And talking to Eric Wilson this week for for the Minnesota Vikings podcast, I mean, he he, he makes a play every week too. He blocks an extra point. Uh, these two guys, I it really amazes me week after week, and I have to continue to ask the linebacker about the linebackers on this current Vikings team. Well, they're playing phenomenal football, and I can't say enough about Eric Wilson. Just the way he's he's stepping up in all facets, even you know, even on special teams, like you're saying. But um, you know, you have to be opportunistic, and that's part of the game because the the other side of the ball is going to make mistakes, and when they do, you have to capitalize on it. And 
you know, the, the Eric Wilson block, well, I, I have no idea what the wing was doing on protection. He, he totally just let him go. And you always, you always punch with your inside hand and, and take away the inside rusher before you go to the outside rusher. And, and he just right off the get-go put two hands on the outside rusher that opens up the inside part. And that's where Eric Wilson, because he, he never turns his motor off, he saw that opening and took it, and he made the play. Same thing with Eric Kendricks. That ball was not an accurate pass. Uh, that ball should have been thrown out in front of the tight end because he, he was going to hit his head on the goalpost. Um, but when the ball is thrown slightly behind and, and you're athletic enough to contort your body and get your hands up in the air and snatch the ball out of the air, then you got to do that. And, and a lot of those guys, a lot of linebackers around the league, would maybe see that same thing, have, maybe have similar reaction, but don't have the hands and the skill to pull that ball down. So, yes, it was a tremendous play on a, on a, on a poorly thrown ball, but these guys are just opportunistic, man. They're, they're putting themselves in positions to make plays, and then when they're getting there, they're actually making the play. Last question. The Vikings were flagged eight times for 80 yards in this game compared to just four penalties for uh, the Dallas Cowboys for 30 yards. So it seems like it's been happening each week with these penalties and mistakes and, and mishaps. And it, it's really frustrating as a, as a Vikings fan and employee for the organization when you see these amazing plays by Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, uh, even on the other side of the ball, Eric Kendricks. It seems like the, the, the great things are happening on the field, but the easy things, the mistakes keep happening. So how do they fix these, these mistakes, and how do they move forward from this loss? Well, I tell you what, I, I, it's frustrating, too, you know, to watch some of these penalties happen. I mean, you, you know you're going to have some, some penalties, and, and some aggressive penalties are okay. You know, when you, get, when you get, as a receiver, your hands up in the face mask of a, of a defensive player and, and, and you just slightly pull on that, you know, that, that's just like one of those aggressive mistakes, like just trying to make a play, trying to get separation. Okay. I can live with that. Um, you know, the special teams mistakes, that's, that's the stuff that you can't, you can't live with. And, and those are the frustrating things, the false starts on offense. You can't, you can't do that. Those little things like that, those little mental errors, um, they'll kill you. And you'll see, especially the way this game played out that when we got behind the chains, uh, that was it. It was, it was over for us. I think, I think in the second half, we had one other penalty in which Justin Jefferson bailed us out and, and Kirk did a great job of kind of extending that play. That was about the only time we overcame an offensive penalty um, because their defensive front was just so physical and, um, and were putting us behind the chains just by their own play. So it was a grinded out fashion sort of game and, uh, and every little thing counts and every little yard counts in the field position game. And, and they made more plays than we did, or, or I guess I should say we shot ourselves in the foot more often than they did. They did. Well, the Vikings are 4-6, and six, and I lied. I have one more question with the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up on the schedule. We all know who the Vikings are playing going forward, but do you believe this team has it or even has a chance to get in these playoffs this year? Yeah, I do, and that's the thing. You know, we get, you get extra, one extra playoff team in there, nice that we've beaten we've beaten everybody in our division and and yes i mean we we can't afford to stumble anymore i mean we we talked about even before this game even a couple weeks ago just kind of looking at the schedule and it's like okay theoretically they could drop a game or two and still be okay well guess what we dropped a game um i don't think at this point we can drop a second one we have to play perfect football from here on out and that's not to say that we have to uh play extremely tight we just have to find 
you know, what was the magic formula coming out of the bye and playing Green Bay and then the next game and then the next game, that's what they have to go back to. And, and I do get this feeling that, you know, they were resting on their laurels just a little bit. You know, they were, they were reading headlines and they were getting all caught up in social media and everybody patting them on the back and everybody telling them that they're going to beat the, this, this ailing Dallas team by double digits. And, and they got, they came out and got punched in the mouth. And so now we have to recalibrate. Um, truly understand now that you can't uh, you can't start feeling good about yourself and vibing on yourself because you have to go out and prove it each and every week because you're going to get everybody's best and um, you know Carolina is going to come in here whether they got Teddy and CMC and whoever they've got uh, they're going to play a physical brand of football too and we got to be ready. Moving on to the post-game sound segment, and with that, we bring in Cy Amundsen and Gabe Henderson from Vikings.com. Let's hear from a not-so-happy head coach, Mike Zimmer, following the loss. Like I said a minute ago, um, I don't think we played well enough to win today. Uh, We had our opportunities, made too many mistakes, uh, three fumbles in the first half, lost two. We... um, you know, we had too many penalties, weren't good in the red zone on defense today. And then, uh, you know, obviously the, you know, we can't get the fourth down play to win the game. So um, got to get back to work. We had a good week of practice. We just didn't uh, didn't play well enough, I don't think. Well, Gabe, the head coach was not happy. Obviously, he said that the Vikings had many opportunities to win this game, but clearly they did not do enough. Do you agree with the head coach? Yeah, I do agree with the head coach simply because Kirk Cousins has a day of his life and then you still lose the game because you have two for you have two fumbles that that pretty much cause you the game. I mean, not not to mind you the eight penalties for 80 yards like the Vikings beat themselves and I do think they did enough to win, but they also did enough not to win. So as a head coach, I, I will be mad also. Why can't the Vikings seem to put it all together for four quarters? Like it's super frustrating as just working for this organization and and seeing the huge plays from Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. But when it comes to the easy things, there's mistakes, there's penalties. Why can't they put it all together for four straight quarters? Uh, I mean, if I had the answers to that question, I probably would be doing something far more important than talking to you right now. Uh, I, you, you know, this game, this game was a gut punch. You know, I, I've, I've worked here uh, for Vikings.com and VN for a couple years now. Clearly not capable of shaking any level of fan out of my existence because this one, God, this was a gut punch. And, and I, I'm, I don't have the answers to your questions. I certainly, if I ever get close to having the answers to that question, it's not going to be in this moment right after the game. But... I think this is the sort of football team that is going to live and die on mistakes, whether or not it commits mistakes. It's, you know, every game we've played this year seems to have had such a slim margin of error in the mistakes category. And when we don't make crucial mistakes, you beat Green Bay, you beat the Lions, you go into Chicago and, and you win football games. When you 
commit a fumble on your side of the 50 and fumble the ball going into the uh, going into the other side of the football field. When you commit two turnovers coming out of the first half or excuse me, coming out of the locker room in the second half, like you did in Seattle, uh, it's just the way the season's gone. We mistakes are the story of this season so far. And unfortunately today, mistakes put us in a situation to lose this game. So I, I don't, I don't know that it has anything to do with a fourth quarter or a last drive or anything like that. I just think, you know, you committed too many mistakes across the board. Yeah. And I think building on that, making those mistakes, I don't think you made enough. I don't think the Vikings made enough plays in the first half to um, give themselves a chance today. I mean, I felt like they were playing catch up football the entire game. And I mean, a, a lot of that is simply due to those mistakes, those penalties, those, you know, fumbles. But at the same time, when you don't, you know, our identity is is, is built on the run. When you when you run the ball for, I believe, only 30 yards, 30 something yards in the first first half, you don't really put yourself in a situation to win. You know, this isn't a team built on, you know, playing behind. So you got to make plays early and, and build on that. After a tough first half for the Vikings offense, they come out in the second half and, and Kirk Cousins is slinging left and right. One-handed grab by Adam Thielen, touchdown deep for Justin Jefferson. Let's hear from the Vikings quarterback following a, a up-and-down game and obviously in the end a loss. Yeah, just a uh, heartbreaking loss today. Uh, it was hard fought. It was a back-and-forth game. Um, you know, it's one of those games, and so many NFL games are like this, but where one or two plays you know, makes the difference in the end. Um, you know, you know that going into the game, you feel that during the game, um, but we just didn't come out on the right side of, a, of enough of those plays to, to uh, win the game, obviously. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, you know, we got to bounce back quickly and, and uh, get back on track. But, um, uh, you know, there are positives to point to. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you don't win, you leave the stadium just feeling sick to your stomach. Well, I asked this question to Ben in the first segment, and I want to pose it to you guys because it's such a polarizing topic with Vikings fans. It's, did Kirk Cousins do enough to win this game? And, and I want everyone's opinion on this because you see the Vikings fans after the game tweeting, saying, well, get rid of this quarterback, we need a new quarterback, this and that. But he posts a game with over 140 passer rating, and as I said before, slinging the ball around the field with that confidence that I believe that he's needed earlier in the season. So uh, I'll go to, to Cy with this one because we know we've had these debates on and off throughout the season, but did you think that the quarterback did enough in this game to win? I mean, it's this is an unfairly, you know, loaded question. Clearly... I'm coming with hot questions right after this clearly, loss, Cy the quarterback you know and this that's just not that's not just a minnesota thing the quarterback is the focus of every single organization it receives all the praise and all the criticism and it's how often do we hear the term quarterback controversy it is a it is a polarizing position that fans love to weigh in on uh obviously since kirk has arrived here it has been the hottest topic surrounding the conversations that exist about this organization it's not one that i think has any weight in today's in today's game i mean he he played a great game 22 of 30 314 yards three touchdowns he made some good throws uh, you know you can also say it was a really tough fumble you got to hold on to the ball dalvin fumbles it you got to come through on those last two drives 
it's one of those things where you can take the information from today's game and you can paint whatever narrative you want. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your question and be a little bit of a politician and I'm gonna go back to my answer to your first question. And it's like Kirk Cousins, regardless of Kirk Cousins' performance today, the story of the Dallas Cowboys season has been turnovers. They have been a nightmare from the turnover standpoint. Bunches of fumbles, I think 12 interceptions, something absurd like that. And that's what made this game sort of feel like a trap. You, If you walk in and Andy Dalton, who is the best backup in the NFL, who is capable of bringing stability to an organization, if he was able to rein that in and they were able to get some regression in that category, your margin for error shrinks a lot. And, you know, Kirk Cousins' final two drives don't tell the story of this game. The couple of important turnovers and the fact that we lost the turnover battle against a team that has lost the turnover battle all season. So, you know, I'll debate Kirk with people, you know, up and down all over the place. I'm not really interested in it right here. He put a good game together. And if we wouldn't have made mistakes uh, in other phases of the game, we wouldn't even be having the conversation. Yeah, and my thing is you can't put this on Kirk, right? But at the same time, it's like, you know, last week you get your first primetime win, right? So you're you're expecting big things. It's like, all right, well, last year, you know, he got the game. He got the big win against, you know, in, in New Orleans, got the first playoff win. This, this past week he got his first win on Monday night. I think the next big thing is – can he make a game-winning drive? And while you can't put it all on Kirk, you can say, hey, like, Kirk, we're depending on you right here. Like, you know, I, for me personally, I, it felt like the Tennessee Titans game, right? You know, we're down by one point. You got one drive left to, to win the game, and then, boom, you you get negative yardage. Granted, he it was a bad snap on one of the plays, and you lose all that yards. But at the same time, it's like, hey, man, you know, we're, we're looking for you to come up and help us, you know, make a game-changing play or game-changing drive joining Justin Jefferson with the, with the drop ball that doesn't help but at the same time maybe maybe I'm side tell me am I am I expecting too yeah, much I'm, yeah I'm, I'm actually I, yeah I am gonna push back on you and, and I'm the guy I'm the guy who constantly is like these are the moments I want to see Kirk in because these tell you who he who he really like this we don't need to argue you put him in situations and his play will tell the story uh, but I, I am going to push back today because you look at that final drive, you have four plays, uh, run a nice play, shorten the yardage a little bit. You put yourself in a good position after first down. And I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and call for Justin Jefferson's head for dropping an important pass. But that that was really tough. You lose a down there. You lose an easy chance at a first down. The third down uh, play to, to Adam Thielen, you know, so really Thielen ran a good route. The cornerback played really well. Was, Kirk put it in about the fastest. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but they're not gonna they're not gonna call that in the mm -hmm. NFL in that situation right. because Adam Thielen, who is incredible, I don't think got enough separation off the break there for a ref to to be willing to throw a pass interference. You know, and the refs are a whole different conversation here. You know, the fan in in me could have an an entire meltdown about this game. But I'm, I'm trying to stay on point. I, you know, he put the ball where he could have. Thielen tried to make a play on it, whether it was close to P.I. or not. You lose another down there. And then on fourth down, it was a broken play from get-go. 
you know, they, there was with the pressure that came through and the routes that were developing, you know, there was really no chance. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I am going to push back a little bit on that as the guy who's always wanted to see Kirk come through in these moments, you know, he gave you two plays on first and second down that should have kicked that drive off. And, and if Jefferson catches that ball, who knows how far he takes it down the field. Uh, so I, you know, I agree with you, but uh, on a, on a macro level, Gabe, but I'm going to disagree with you on a micro level. Yeah, I think he did enough. I think he did enough to win the game, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking for that one extra boost of, all right, well, Kirk well, Cousins made a hell wants. of a play. That's yeah. what, well, that's what everybody wants. That's why everybody, you know, that's why the Twitter conversation that Chris referenced keeps existing. That's what, and it, it's not even Kirk. It's what every single fan base wants out of every single quarterback. They want them to have signature moments in signature situations. It's why people are so huge on Russell Wilson. You know, it's why people love the great quarterbacks in this league. And whether it's fair to a – because we all know it takes 11 guys to play offense and 11 guys to play defense and 22 guys to win a football game. It's, you know, these quarterbacks rise and fall based on these end of game performances. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And I know why the fans feel that way. And I know why I've felt that way in the past. But I think in, in this situation, to me, nothing walking out of this game, nothing about this game sands a little ball protection on a blitz and a sack. Nothing about this game had me clamoring uh for uh for a microphone so i could criticize the quarterback i'm gonna be honest i saw 15 game-winning drives on the broadcast for kirk cousins as as the drive began and i i couldn't i honestly couldn't believe it i'm gonna be honest with you i couldn't believe that <laughs> he's that had statistic 15... was on the screen i well first of all they <laughs> jinxed him right away off yeah the top. exactly but <laughs> but i couldn't believe that he's had 15 drives and, and i can't really remember too I, I I'm not criticizing him I think like I said earlier in the show I think it was one of his best games as a Vikings quarterback for his career uh with this team but yeah I just it just didn't seem to happen not not only on that drive but the drive before when they could have they could have closed the game out it was 28 24 and they could have closed the game with that drive just disappointing for me that they couldn't close it out with the on the Vikings offensive side of the ball and I think that's, you're really hitting on, you know, it, it's, it's like uh, when you get out of a relationship, when you've been cheated on, it's hard for you to not project that baggage onto future relationships. You know, you're, what you're hitting on there, Chris, is last year in Kansas City, uh, you know, when we couldn't come through, the last couple years in Chicago, you know, there, there have been these moments where you have felt like, oh, a drive here would put this game away or a drive here will win this game and we haven't seen it. So it's, it's pretty easy to want to throw that same frustration onto the Titans game and the, and the game here today. Well, the Seahawks, yeah, but the game, the game here today. And I, you know, I, I just, I, I think you have to separate those. If you want to continue on with that complaint, that's fine. I think just situationally, you have to be realistic about certainly on the last drive maybe not the one you're talking about the one before where we could have iced it but certainly on the last drive you, you have to be a little bit realistic about what was happening there 
there's been about four or five games this season that have pretty much come down to the last play, including last week, which a just fingertip grab of Anthony Miller catching a, a ball from Nick Foles could have ended up with the Vikings losing that game at Soldier Field. So tough, tough to grasp, but let's hear from the Vikings leader on the defensive side of the ball, Eric Kendricks, as he spoke about that very subject. A little bit, you know, for sure. You know, the turnovers are never good. Um, for sure, you know we had a, we had a few, or we had one I think on defense. But um, yeah, you know turnovers is the number one cause of winning and losing games, and um, we definitely don't want to do that. But in the same breath, you know I feel like we came to play, and um, we didn't we didn't like overlook them or nothing like that, which which I heard kind of people saying. But no, nah, we didn't do that. We definitely took them serious, and they have they have good good players all over the field. So um, yeah, you know it, it's it's it's. It's the NFL, man. You can't. You got to come to play every week. You got to be assignment sound. Um, you make one little mistake, and we see, you know, two runs bust. You know, go 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 longer. And when we're, we're continuing to run the whole game, you know, we got to be perfect every single time we go out there. All right, Cy. Well, you heard it there from Eric Kendricks. I mean, he speaks about the fact that that we didn't overlook this team. We didn't overlook the two and seven Dallas Cowboys coming off of a bye. Uh, do you think he's he's correct with that with that claim he's making? I think he's right. I don't think they, they overlook the team. But here's the thing. Just just because you don't overlook a team doesn't mean, you know, there's, there's a reason that that sentiment exists. You know, there's like, hey, these, these are the things that, that might cause you to overlook a team. Those things still exist and you can still prepare and that other team can still come ready to play. And I, I think if you look at everything that was stacked in the favor of the Cowboys in this game – you know, A, the Vikings coming off a big-time emotional win, you know, uh, and on a short week traveling, the Cowboys are on a bye week. The Dalton factor with w- whatever you think of Andy Dalton, he is a shockingly large upgrade over Cooper Rush or Ben DiNucci or whatever else they're trying to put out there. And, you know, you, you throw in the familiarity of Mike McCarthy. I know that Zimmer has owned him over the last seven games. I think it's five, one and one. But with two weeks to game plan, Mike McCarthy knows this football team. And then going back to that point that I made earlier in the conversation, the possible regression of Dallas's biggest issue so far this season, which is the turnover problem. They'd been losing the turnover battle by 13 turnovers, eight interceptions and 12 fumbles. I just looked is the actual number. When you have two weeks to prepare, you have stability returning to the quarterback spot. You have an opposing coach that knows what our coach does. You don't have to overlook a team to have that pop up and grab you. It's just something that can happen. And that's why we talked about when you make a couple of mistakes with all of that going on, you know, these are, these are professional football players. They are very talented. They are paid to do their job and they came prepared and they executed. So I don't think it was overlooking anybody at all. I can't imagine with everything on the line, these guys were overlooking the Dallas Cowboys. I just think the Dallas Cowboys executed and the factors that were possibilities unfortunately came into focus a little bit yeah and I, I I'm, I'm on on track with you right there as far as like the Cowboys they did come to play and, and it seemed like we were a little tired in that first half but you got to think though 
whether you have an extra day rest or not, a team coming off a bye week, you, you got to think they're going to play with some extra juice. Knowing the playoff implications that the Cowboys have, I mean, the NFC East is terrible. The Cowboys are 3-7 and seven and have a legitimate chance. What? Well, a legitimate chance to, you know, make the playoffs. Everyone in their division has not won more than three games. So we knew that. But at the same time, coming out of a bye week, the Vikings, I feel like they, they should have looked at, you know, just the previous history of, you know, coming out, playing teams coming out of a bye week. I mean, we're four and eight since 2010 um, with playing a team coming off a bye week. So I, I felt like that should have been extra juice for, for the Vikings. But at the same time, you, you got to know that, hey, th- this team is going to come ready to play, ready ready to come out, and, and not, you know, I, I, I didn't expect the Cowboys to make many mistakes with Andy Dalton uh, coming in here. I did expect the Vikings to get more pressures on the quarterback with the with the Dallas Cowboys allowing 16 sacks in the past five weeks. I, I did expect our D-line to, to have more more pressures and more sacks, but at the same time, like you said, Cy, hats off to the Dallas Cowboys. They, I mean, Andy Dalton came in and made this offense work, and uh, I just feel like the Vikings just responded too late. Well, that, well that's go, that goes back to my other point, though. Uh, you're right. I think the Cowboys came ready. I think you should have expected them to come ready. And it's, you know, when these football games, like they have been for this team all season, have been so close, you know, the the story that tells – the thing that tells the story of the game is where the crucial mistakes land. And I, you could pull a single one of these crucial mistakes off the board. A single one. Not getting set, not getting set on the fake punt. Uh, the the fumble over the middle to Dalvin Cook, the fumble in the backfield with Kirk Cousins. You peel any of those three mistakes off the board, any of them. You're talking about a win here today. Any of the three. So you know, I, it's I in no way, shape, or form do I think they overlooked this team. I think you were in a situation where you played a team that was prepared and ready, and you made one too many mistakes. Well, you know, I'm sure people in charge would say a lot too many mistakes, but, you know, from just strictly a final result standpoint, you, you certainly made at least one too many major mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, cats off to the offensive, for the Cowboys' offensive play calling too, right? I mean, the, the two-point conversion, the, the option from uh, Ezekiel Elliott to C.D. Lamb, I mean, the <laughs> the crossing route in the end zone in that last touchdown, those are like – well-schemed plays and you have two weeks to draw that out I always say you know while we should be making plays at the same time the other team they have guys on big-time contracts also so hey hats off to the Dallas Cowboys for just out scheming us in some in some ways that's right Gabe and and Mike McCarthy the man with the most wins against the Minnesota Vikings franchise is the one that gets another win with a new team the Dallas Cowboys All right, well, let's close the show out with By the Numbers. We're going to go over a few of the biggest numbers from this game, which led to this tough loss for the Vikings. So, Gabe, I'm starting out with the first one. It's 103. 103 rushing yards for Ezekiel Elliott. And the first 100-yard game this season for Ezekiel Elliott. But more importantly for the Vikings side of the ball, they had not given up an 100-yard rusher since week three, Derrick Henry um, and the Tennessee Titans that week. So I tweeted this out earlier. Since 2018, when Ezekiel Elliott rushes for less than 75 yards, the Cowboys are 2-16. and 16. So I knew that Shamar Stephan, Armin Watts, they had to step up. They they couldn't get they couldn't let Zeke um, ha- have a big day. And 
Zeke just had big runs in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys had 104 rushing yards in that fourth quarter. But while Zeke did have 103 yards, I, I think this entire game was capped off by that Tony Pollard 40, 42-yard run. And we just couldn't we just couldn't find an answer to that. Zeke had ran the ball three straight times before that um, Tony Pollard 42-yard touchdown run. And I, I, I honestly feel like Zeke was the the nemesis to the, to the Minnesota Vikings today. The next number is 45. The Cowboys were 45% on third down in this game, Gabe. Yeah, and you know, we're, we're not a terrible run defense. We're 15th, I mean, right in the middle when it comes to, you know, rushing averages, rushing yards per game given up, 115.7 yards per game given up. We're 15th best run uh, defense, but the Cowboys, they weren't that great when it comes to run offense. They were only rushing for 110 yards, so... Drastic numbers there. Um, like you said, Sai, when you give up 180 rushing yards to a team, uh, it's tough to overcome. It's usually us rushing for over 180 yards, but uh, not today. Yeah, it's specifically at the end of the game is, is where I'd say, you know, when you really, really needed a third stop down, on third, third and fourth down, down there, that's, that's when it really bit you in the ass in this one. The last numbers are 70 and 30. I'm not even going to explain those, Gabe. I'm going to let you do it. So, Kirk today, 22 of 30. That's 73% pass completion rate. He's only been he's – only, he's only thrown the ball 30 times in a game and had that high of a completion rate five times in his career. The previous four times, he's won those games. The last time he lost when he threw at least 30 passes and had a 70% completion rate was last year, week five, at Chicago. To put it into perspective – Whenever a quarterback throws the ball 30 times a game and his completion rate is over 70% and he doesn't have an interception, you're supposed to win that game. So, Cy, going back to our point of did Kirk do enough, I I, I do think Kirk did enough to win this game. I mean, these these are numbers right here that I think if you're a head coach – you don't complain about that. Granted, he did throw for over 300 yards while doing all of that. So, hats off to Kirk. I I, I do think – um, we have to run the ball a little bit more to, to you know, to win games. But if, if you say, hey, we, we put the game on Kirk's back for him to win the game, I think the numbers show that he did enough to do so. Yeah, and I, I am not even going to step into the realm of understanding those numbers. I, I'm just, I'm just curious to see you hit on, you know, it, it, what's the formula? We were all like, we were all curious coming out of the three game win streak. Was that formula going to continue moving forward? How would Kirk's role increase? Yada, yada, yada. Now, now you find yourself in this really peculiar situation of a little bit of, you could fall if, if you haven't already a little bit, you could fall pretty quickly into no man's land where you're, you're a few games behind a playoff race and a few games ahead of the draft pick race and uh you know that's i think for a fan base that's when you'll start hearing people uh you know uh, be a little bit frustrated or be a little bit overcome with malaise is maybe the correct word so you know the season's not over by any stretch it's a really really tough loss now you get to see how chris we're always talking about these young players and how this team has improved and how they've grown since the bye well here's another opportunity you know, you can, I think everybody, it's funny how everybody plays schedule expert. You know, we go out, we get this one, this one, this one, then we're seven and five. And then obviously really tough one in Tampa. You probably don't get that one. So 
now you're just going to have to flip the script. You got to go out and you got to win next week. You're going to have to win the week after that. And then you're just going to have to take a game that people didn't think you, you would probably take when they were trying to figure out if you could go on a playoff run here. So, you know, I'll be curious to see how they respond to all this and, and if they can execute better next week and keep from following into or falling into that kind of dreaded football no man's land. That's right, Cy, and the Vikings fall to 4-6 and six on the season. If you start looking at the schedule, you really don't want to get that seventh loss anytime soon. I think 9-7 and seven might give you a chance to get in. You, you touched on the Panthers coming up this week. You have Jacksonville after that, and then some tough games coming up with Tampa Bay and New Orleans on the schedule. So it won't be easy sledding for this Vikings young defense going forward, but that'll do it for the Vikings postgame report. As we've talked about all show, just a gut-wrenching loss from U.S. Bank Stadium, 31-28. to And for Gabe Henderson, Cy Amundsen, and, of course, Ben Lieber, that'll do it for the Vikings.com postgame report.